A word to the wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. That point this week is through the end of book two of the Mistborn series, The Well of Ascension, by Brandon Sanderson. Hey there, this is Cross. And I'm PJ. And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. I finished another book, Crossland. You did. I'm so proud of you. I feel very proud. I feel very accomplished. It only took me three months. But we got it in just under the wire for both of us to leave for just fuck off for two yes. weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. I'm I'm very glad. And today we are joined, of course, by the um, incredible Julie, the Foxy Reader. How do you want us to refer to you, by the way? We didn't we didn't talk about please, this. Maybe. Please just call me Julie. Julie. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I started putting in the document. I'm like, that might be weird. <laughs> you can call me the Foxy Reader. But yeah, it feels very weird when people refer to me as that, even though I obviously I picked it as my name. But yeah, just mm-hmm. Julie. <laughs> yeah. OK, totally. Perfect. We're so glad to have you on the show today, though, to help us wrap up Well of Ascension. Thanks. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it. I finished it two weeks ago, so my memory is a little foggy already. <laughs> I was just going to say, really so good. still fresh. I keep still, I have to keep right saying there. that, but my memory is just not the best. <laughs> that's that's super fair. And, and part of the reason that we wanted to have you on is because it's your first time through the series as well. So this is kind of your first pass. Yes. Yeah, which a lot of people yeah, on Instagram are really surprised I had not read this before. <laughs> Yeah, I, so like it's. I mean, it's a major adult fantasy series. I consider it adult. I know there's a lot of talk whether it's why I think it's adult. But yeah, I I totally missed it when it came out. Yeah, I was man. I was so shaken by. I, I've said this on the show a couple of times, but the Wheel of Time and the way that Brandon like wrote the end, and I just I didn't love it. So I never read anything of Brandon's until I was goaded into it last year by our listeners to like have us cover this and everything else. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot, and if I like it, we'll do it. And so this was like a major hole in my fantasy as well until last year. Did you and start with Mistborn or what did you start with with Sanderson? So my first Sanderson experience was the last two Wheel of Time books. And then for oh, yeah. his own stuff, it was Mistborn. And at this point, I am through everything in the Cosmere except for Rhythm of War. So I've just got uh, the last half-ish of Rhythm of War left. Wow. Yeah, I started with... Uh, Stormlight. <laughs> I was at the bookstore. I didn't know where to start with Sanderson. I have a friend who loves him. And I mean, she just basically told me you can start anywhere. So that didn't really help. But <laughs> yeah, I was in the bookstore and I picked up Way of Kings and it's a thousand pages. So I put it back and I was looking at Mistborn and some rando stranger came up to me and he was like, I had never done this in my life, but if you could please buy Way of Kings, it's my favorite book of all time. He's like, it would make me so happy. And I was like, well, now I have to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and then in line, another rando stranger was like, are you buying Way of Kings? I love that book. So I was like, okay, I think I made a good choice. It That's is really good. Awesome. As far as an origin story with Sanderson goes. <laughs> was that your, was Way of Kings your first experience with Sanderson? It was, which was 
a very like daunting way to start with Sanderson because yeah, I mean it's so long, but I loved it. I've really only, I've only read the first two in Stormlight. I'm on three right now, but yeah, it takes me about ten months on average to read one. <laughs> yeah, we're, I'll be we're prepped the, for book five by the time yeah, it comes out. Right when it comes out, <laughs> we're so we're aiming to cover those on the show when we're done with the Mistborn era books and Red Rising Six. And right now, as I have it scheduled out, I have us doing like one book a quarter, basically, and I'm like. That might be too fast. I don't know if we're going to be able to get through it within that time, but. I'm like hanging in a read along right now um, with a couple of friends from Bookstagram and they're doing one a month. And I'm like, this is a lot to ask for people. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm just here for the chat. I don't think I can keep up once we get to book three. Like, there's no way I can read this in a month. I, I ripped through book one and two in a month, but that was because I was literally focused on doing that, and like working out to it. And like literally everything I did during a waking hour was listen to those books outside of editing. Yeah, the how show. many hours are those? 50 something without <laughs> speed ups. Yeah, so it's like two days of straight audio. <laughs> but every page counts. Yeah, it's true. Every it's minute true. counts. Yeah. And I had the physicals, so like I would I would listen during the day, and then at night I would read and like flip to the chapter, and so it was just like passing back and forth, and it, it was definitely an experience. But we're here today to talk about Mistborn. See, this is how we get off track so easily. But before we talk about the book itself, let's let's talk about what we're drinking. PJ, I'll let you start. What are you having? So, I got a new ingredient today. I got a banana liqueur. So I decided to make a naked ape from the. Smuggler's Cove cocktail book. So it is half an ounce of lemon juice, half ounce cinnamon syrup, half ounce banana liqueur, one and a half ounces of rum. I used Apple Estate or Appleton Estate 12 year, half ounce of overproof rum. I used Lemon Heart and Sun 151, and then one dash of Angostura bitters. And also, I got a new tool. I think I haven't talked about it on the show before, but I got a cocktail mixer or uh, a drink mixer. So I can not only make malts and like milkshakes, but I can also make tiki drinks that call for uh, drink mixers. And it, it's really, really easy. It's really cool. So is that like a blender or like a almost? So it's it's a like a little mixer? blender, right? Like a no, I, like I have to go blender? grab it. Kind now. Of, yeah. OK, now PJ has to. <laughs> He's like, all right, they made fun of me. For Sorry, PJ. I don't <laughs> can you see it from there? It's plugged in. I can't see it. Okay. Well, essentially. Well, there's a thing called Google. I will Google it. <laughs> it's it's essentially like an external blender, I guess, is the best way to put it. It's like a mm. stick with a little uh, spur on the end of it that you stick your cup into and it like, spins really fast. Oh, okay. That sounds like, I think it's called an immersion blender. Kind of. It's, it or doesn't have blades. Different? It doesn't have blades at all. Oh, a less lethal immersion <laughs> blender. <laughs> yep. Yep. So similar to similar to that, but you'll see them used for like making milkshakes primarily. So Okay. Yeah. But it is delicious. I don't know. Uh, I've got some really funky rums in there, so there's a little bit of banana flavors that come through on those to begin with, but accentuating it with the banana really really kicks it into high gear. So Happy with it. Following that up for the back half beer, I've got 
another one of Blackstack Brewing's now presenting, which they had originally called Ken Burns Presents, and then they got, I think, in trouble with PBS. So um, it is their smoothie sour with plum, grapefruit, and passion fruit. Yum. Crack that open later. Nice. So what about you, Crossland? I am having a drink called, that I'm naming the Pewter Drag. It's a spin on the uh, Midnight Stinger that I've made so many times on the show at this point that I just love. If you had told Dark Age era podcast Crossland that he would like Fernet Bronca, I would have said that you're a fucking liar. And I have come around to this liqueur more than I can, more than I'm willing to admit. I love it. I make so much with it. I'm almost out and I want to go like buy another bottle. It's ridiculous. So anyway, it's two ounces of Fernet, two ounces of aged rum, one ounce lime, one ounce lemon, one ounce simple. Really, it's just a swap on the Midnight Stinger rum for bourbon. So that's the, that's the biggest switch. Very good. Very different actually with that switch. The other one tastes like Coke, Coca-Cola. This one tastes like I don't know. Delicious. I don't know what it tastes like. Just good. All so, right. Julie, what are you having? <laughs> so um, I'm not fancy. I'm not, I'm actually not even good at making cocktails. But before this, I was working. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to make a cocktail. But I was able to spill a couple beers from the event I was working at. And I'm also a pretentious hipster, so it is craft beer only for me. So to give to give some shout outs to some local Northwest Arkansas breweries, I have Fossil Cove's uh, Birch Avenue Blonde. And then I'll follow that up with Bike Rack Brewing's Classic American Lager. Ooh, hoo, hoo. Very nice. Yes, and, and the they were free, is which excellent. is great. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best. Free, stolen, you know, it's similar. Yeah, yeah. To give the story, I so working events, you often walk away with food. That's the best part of being in event planning. But yeah, with these two beers, I stuffed them into the inside pocket of my denim jacket and walked <laughs> away with that and a couple petty fours. And I was like, "Yep, that made that worth it." <laughs> <laughs> made made the whole dang event worth it. all those hours of work were worth it for these two free beers <laughs> nice nice that's that's awesome and we love local beers and we god have we ever drank anything that hasn't been a craft beer on the show pj i might have done a modello one time that's fair yeah i think we've done a couple yeah of i feel like modello's is acceptable <laughs> for yeah. anyone who drinks yeah. craft beer everyone's always <laughs> like yeah yeah that's okay but if you said Corona, I'd be like, what is this, Fast and the Furious? Or? I think they're made by the same company, too. I want to yeah, say. That's why I don't know why there's such a difference. Don't quote me so, on that. Yeah, Corona is just like strangely skunky, but it's great like on the beach or what have you. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a fine beer in certain situations. There's a reason why it's skunky. drunk, it's great. Yes. yes. So the reason why it's skunky all the time, same with Heineken, is they don't use brown bottles. So it doesn't block all of it. Like clear bottles don't block any UV penetration. Green bottles do like 15% or something, whereas brown bottles do like 85%. And that is called like the skunking that happens is called light strike. And that happens from overexposure to UV radiation. So that's why Corona always tastes skunky. 
do you know why they would want to brand recognition? Because it, you can see when you put the lime in it. I think there, the there's, there's part of that. There's part like it's just how they've always done it. So people recognize it. I don't know. Same with Heineken. It's always the green bottles, rolling rock, the same thing. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, rolling rock. You just made me shiver uncontrollably. Yeah. Flashback <laughs> to my college years. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Definitely. Okay, so we want to get into the breakdown, talk about the book and whatnot. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about you. So we want to start off by just having a, a brief conversation about like you and the read-alongs that you do, as well as what you do on Instagram, of course. What encouraged you to start your bookstagram and, and reels page? Yeah, so gosh, I've been, I've had a bookstagram for about three and a half years now. Oddly enough, I was inspired by BookTube, which is the book like YouTube corner of the internet. I loved watching videos, people talking about books. And I was like, I want to talk about books, but there's absolutely no way I can really put together a studio to produce videos. And I think in one of the videos I was watching, the whoever it was mentioned Bookstagram. And I was like, wait a second, I have an Instagram taking pictures is easy. Like I can do this. So yeah, I started my bookstagram. I started a separate account because I didn't want my friends and family to be annoyed by how much I talked about books, even Mm -hmm. though they listened to that in real life. (laughs) So, but yeah, I created it and the friends and the family that I was embarrassed to have them see it immediately. So, and followed me and were very but yeah, you know, I was on Bookstagram for a couple of years and then what reels I think were, was introduced in like September 2020. And I had hopped on making those because I am an ex theater kid who like loves attention and <laughs> like, likes being funny and weird. And so, yeah, that's where like my Bookstagram really took off with gaining followers and like interacting in the community like shortly after that I think I did my first read-along which I do what we call slacker read-alongs with my friend Andy whose handle is Andy Writes and Reads. We read books that have been out for a while that everyone else seems to have read that we totally miss hence the slacker title. So I started off doing that with her and then I branched off at doing my own read-alongs called, I just call them Foxy Read-Alongs because I um, didn't put a lot of thought into that name. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was simple. But yeah, with those, I I think I started with From Blood and Ash, which I don't know if you guys have read that. It's a It's a terrible series, but yeah, that's also another thing. I feel like I'm known for hating most of the books that I read, but yeah, we started, I started with From Blood and Ash and then immediately moved to doing a reread of Red Rising as a read-along and have done a couple other things. But yeah, Mistborn was the latest Foxy read-along that I started. We're just about to finish the third one next week. And then I'm going to pause and pick it back up for era two before the next book comes out. So yeah, (laughs) this part has been an interesting read along. It was one where I happened to announce it. I mean, right before Brandon Sanderson announced his Kickstarter, I had no idea that was going to happen. And so it was like a lot of people jumped into the read along because they hadn't read him or, you know, were just excited because of the Kickstarter. So yeah, I think it was like 90 people that started with the first book. 
doing the read along, but then there was like a huge drop off going into the second book. I think it went down to like maybe 50 people. So yeah, you know, he's not for everybody, but yeah, now we have a pretty good core group. And the read alongs, the way that I kind of structure them is we have like just a chat group and Instagram. I usually keep it like below 20 people within a chat group, usually aiming for like 15. And yeah, I split it up into three weeks worth of reading, which I always think usually it works out pretty good, especially with the length of these books. These are a nice, you know, six to 700. And yeah, each week we have a certain amount of chapters that we read. And then we have like a day, like this time Fridays are our discussion days. I started off with a summary of what we read. I like kind of in the summaries poking fun at the book. And it's basically like drunk history version of summing up the book. But I mainly do that so people like know where we stopped in case they read ahead so they don't Mm -hmm. drop spoilers. But yeah, it's been super fun. And like I said, now, you know, even though we've had a lot of people drop into this with the third book now is really is like a core group of people that are invested in it. And yeah, like we have a lot of people who have very strong feelings about certain characters (laughs) and they like to fight about them. So yeah, it's just super fun. That's, that's great. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of strong feelings in, in the Brandon Sanderson fandom about specific characters. And man, I remember, I think early on in the Mistborn, in one of our Mistborn episodes, I said something that was controversial to a lot of people and the number of messages i got that week like flared and they were they were just like hey wait no but you like him right and i was like well i do but we have to we have to get there before i could like i have to goad pj into feeling things sometimes so what was yeah, yeah. can can i ask you what that was about now so specifically it was about marsh and the relationship that like marsh and kelsey had because first first book marsh is very different than later book marsh and then people are like no you gotta treasure those moments and i'm like i do but pj doesn't fucking know to trust him <laughs> from a fly on the wall yeah i mean that's the cool i thought it was one of the coolest things about brandon sanderson's writing is like you can start out hating a character and then by the next book you're like i really like this character And vice versa, it's, you know, there's usually not, and that's another thing that's cool too, is within the read-alongs, like, it's not like there's just one character that everyone's like, oh yeah, Vin's my favorite. It is spread out all over the place on who everybody loves. There's not just one character that is the fan favorite. It just seems to be all the characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I think a big part of that is the fact that it's split across so many different perspectives, even perspectives that last four or five pages and never go back to them, but it makes everybody feel so tangible and and real. And you don't get locked into like for red rising sake, Darrow for an entire trilogy and kind of seeing everything through his lens, you get a very, very wide range of understanding of every character. It's it's always funny to me that PJ thinks that POVs are these new things because PJ has such limited experience with books. And it's, so it's it's funny. It's funny that you react this way because I, I love it. And you're totally right. And that is exact. That is a valid opinion. But it's always like it's this moment where you're like, this is such a critical, crazy thing. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of like standard. I don't know. That's called writing. That's yeah. how it works. <laughs> <laughs> PJ's yeah. <laughs> i have ideas guys i know stuff your ideas and feelings are valid pj they're okay at best 
sometimes <laughs> underdeveloped. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that's one of the things I definitely want to spend some time talking about the POVs that we get in this book, because I think that that's a lot of the joy that I get in rereads of this one is how many POVs there are in the previous book. It's really just for the most part Vin and Kelsier that we bounce back and forth between with a couple of exceptions but this one we spend a lot more time and a lot more perspectives so I I like I want to start each of these episodes off when we're talking about Mistborn with uh, which elementic ability would you choose because I think that it'll be fun a to see if PJ's answer changes over time then uh, to get like everyone's take so if you did pick an elementic ability just one because you're misting what would you pick Julie I would pick Ten. I would be a ten eye because I am the biggest gossip. Yeah, like I mean, I don't know. I in college I was a journalism major, so I think mm. I just love that like collecting information. I'm not even into spreading rumors. I just want to know, and I will take <laughs> stuff to the grave. But yeah, it's mainly the listening in on people part. <laughs> yeah, I would be like the gossip girl version. In, in this universe. <laughs> I'm trying to it's think like answer. what that would even be called. Gossip Mistborn. I don't know. But yeah, I would. And I mean, obviously the enhanced eyesight would be cool and stuff. But yeah, I mainly just want to listen in on people's conversations. <laughs> Talky Tenai. Talky Tenai. That's pretty good. Talky Tenai. That could bad. work. That's not bad. It's kind of like in the in the first book when Kelsier interacts with Hoyd and others kind of talking in like kind of back alley channels. Like I could totally imagine you'd like blend right in there. Right. I, feel, I don't I feel like I would still be so obvious. I am that person <laughs> that, yeah, you know, in the restaurant when your friend's like, oh, yeah, you know, check out this person behind you. And you're like, I do the dramatic turn and they're like, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I, I'm not going to say I would be a good 10 I, but I would <laughs> love to would be, be one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's a great one. That That's unique. Uh, we we definitely haven't heard anyone say that before. And so, it's like, like the, the least useful of all of them. <laughs> I mean, there, there's something to be said to being in tune with the environment around you, blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, no, I, I love that. Well, it's like you think of, yeah, who is the a ten eye like spook is a ten eye right mm-hmm. and he, ha- he spends most of this book off page doing whatever <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks so, himself useless so i mean yeah hmm. yeah he does but yeah i'm just saying he's getting all the good gossip <laughs> true, true. <laughs> oh That's man point. we imagine being a duralamin misting though <laughs> like you can only burn duralamin <laughs> That'd be pretty useless. <laughs> yeah, that's much true. more useless than tin. Yes. Like, how would that even work? <laughs> <laughs> you you wouldn't be able to do anything. Your really quickly. Yeah, it's like would absolutely nothing happen. And yeah, like you would just know it was burnt out. It'd be like it's Vin really when she first finds the alloy and learns that it works. She's not burning anything else, and it just evaporates. Yeah. So you you may you could do it and not even know that you did. Right. I feel like this is the same as what copper? If you're burning copper and you have no idea like what it means to burn a metal, you could be producing a copper cloud and have no idea. 
Yeah, but at the very least, like no one else would ever know that you're, you know, someone yeah. who's burning copper. This brings it back to how do people find copper mistings? Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Smokers, yeah. Yeah, great, great question. Okay, PJ, I want what you are, though. Are you going to... It's still iron. It's still iron pulling. God damn it. Because, okay, (laughs) because you get both (laughs) locomotion, you can, like, sit on an office chair and pull yourself around, but you also get to pull shit off of, like, from across the room. I can grab a hammer, like Thor, from across the garage. Oh, that's cool. Like, imagine doing the opposite, being steel, and, like, I have to put this hammer back throw it through their fucking wall. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's just a very different utility. It's so much more utility. <laughs> you know, I, I think of steel pushing, steel pushing rather as uh, <laughs> flying iron pole. Yeah. Steel pushing. That's as, what we got to call it from now on. <laughs> yeah. Steel pushing. Steel pushing. I'm just a steel pusher. It sounds like a bad like '90s rap song. Like you can just imagine it spiraling out of control. I love By it. By Vanilla Ice. Yes, most definitely. It, it was either that or like it would be a crappy kid rock song. Like I was trying to work. Oh it out god. Yeah. I think there's a chance the rapper song called Pusha Man. Oh, there is. Yeah, off of Acid Rap. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. But I still I stand by steel pushing because I think that that would allow you to fly and you can like flying school. I don't know. I don't Iron know would let I you just, be. I know I would be terrible at that. Yeah. And there's a chance you could die. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a reasonable, reasonable thing. <laughs> you're very good at slamming doors open. You know, like you could you could absolutely knock every door off of its hinges, which is great. Dramatic entrances. I'm all about that flair. Yeah. Iron would let you fly like Spider-Man. <laughs> kind of yeah true you would you would kind of you couldn't slow yourself that's one of the problems with iron unless you like pull the, the next thing and you're like you yeah. are hmm you have to know where you're going i'm still with steel same with, with steel <laughs> yeah. you can't just fuck off into nowhere <laughs> no but you could launch and then you could just push yourself a little bit and then you could weave yourself down. I'm okay. just imagining. Okay. It. It would work. I think it would work. I think it would work. I think so. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So we we landed a stalemate on not changing our abilities. And Julie's excellent addition of tin yep. to to the pile. Um PJ, do you remember what Lindsay said? Was she She was soothing? With me. Right. I think she was rioting. She sided with you, but I think she said rioting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, she might have rioting said rioting. Rioting would be cool. Yeah. Well, she's <laughs> She's also a lawyer. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> so she's like, it's almost unfair. <laughs> she did say that it would probably be illegal. <laughs> like, but it it feels like a good a good use case. And as you know, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just the, the entire system lends itself to like you, you said earlier, like a theater kid flair. And so like soothing and rioting to me, like lends that and then. I don't know. I, the drama of pushing to me is way better than the I'm on a little cart pulling myself around <laughs> with, with uh, steel. And iron. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, it'd be fun. I would wear rollerblades everywhere. Now, I'm like stuck on this idea that Johnny Depp's lawyers are rioting. <laughs> everyone's feeling because look i i mean i love johnny depp i'm a millennial grew Mm -hmm. up 
with Pirates in the Caribbean. Everyone had a Johnny Depp poster on their wall, too, their freshman year dorms. But I've never felt so passionate about a court case in my life. So maybe they're writing this. I'm okay with it. Oh, Justice man. for Johnny. There, there was that whole like tiny thing that came out today that it looked like Amber Heard like took a bump in the middle of the session. I don't know if you saw that. She was hey, like, took a bump, took like a, a bump dump. What will like, she not do? Yeah, it's true. That's such a good. That's such a good article tagline. That is definitely a, a TMZ headline waiting to be published. Let me call TMZ. I'm like, look, I got this for you. I got this. We did this on this podcast. You can use it. You can pay us some money. Took a took a bump and or a dump. <laughs> Bumping and dumping. I have, well, I haven't been on my phone at all today since I've been working. So, yeah, I missed that news. That's what I'm going to do after this is just scroll TikTok <laughs> scroll and, and Twitter and be like, what happened in the court case? I got to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you had posted something about someone to follow who was there, and I immediately did. I was like, all right, tagging this, paying attention to this as much as possible. Today didn't lend itself to too many updates, but in my family group chat, my dad sent it of all people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's another weird, like my, I was just taught, this was gosh, you know, weeks ago when it started and yeah, I was talking to my mom and she was like, yeah, are you following this Johnny Depp court case? I'm like, yeah, are you? She was like, yeah, me and your dad were watching it earlier. (laughs) I'm like, wow, this is something that spans generations. Yes. That's so good. And it's it's totally true. I just I find it bizarre because my dad's like, oh, I don't have time for anything. And then he sends this thing from the trial. And it's like, OK, all right, dad. Thanks. Appreciate it. I'm telling you, as lawyers are rioting all of America <laughs> and the, I guess the rest of the world. I don't know internationally how this plays, but you're in America. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, too. I, I know we, we have some international fans that have talked a little bit in our discord about it. Yeah. I wonder how it plays. Especially given the like British court case, res- case resolution, you see how we get off track so easily. Like we we easily cut like forty <laughs> minutes of off track conversation from some of our episodes. We love it though. So um, Johnny Depp's a misborn. I'm pretty sure. Oh, most <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> most definitely. He's definitely a smoker, no question. On the topic of getting off track all the goddamn time, do you have a hard out? Like, is there yeah, a time that you need to be gone by? I like. 10, 10 o'clock central is probably when I need to be wrapping up. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Reasonable. Just want to make sure oh, so we can like <laughs> try to corral <laughs> ourselves you. a little bit more. Oh, we'll be here all night still talking about Johnny Depp. <laughs> you know, we had we had Zeph on and we recorded a five hour episode talking about oh just God. fucking Lysander. Um, uh, well, okay. Yeah, I could go on about that. <laughs> face racist all night long hate him well what was so funny so he came to me with that episode idea when we were in like golden sun and he was like i want to do an episode that's just focused on lysander after you get through dark age and i was like okay but my my request is is that you have to defend lysander and he's like i fucking hate that you made me do this my damnedest and so he had been preparing for like six months for that episode taking like copious notes and it's just man that one was a joy that's so fun yeah i just mm, yeah i mean i love like taking i mean i love having unpopular opinions but mm-hmm. that one i i don't know if i could defend him <laughs> for more than five minutes 
he he went on for about 45 minutes he's like no i fucking hate him but like (laughs) yeah once i feel like once you get to talking about all the him the poetry i hate when he starts spouting out the poetry oh i love the poetry but that's (sighs) what a douchebag me too thanks (laughs) 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 okay all right getting to the book (laughs) what book are we, were uh, we supposed this, to read something? This is why we love this show. So, One of the first points I wanted to bring up here to discuss is the trek through the logbook in this story. Right away, we're seeing Sanderson reusing the styling from the first book, and I think it, that it sets up kind of our expectations to be sure of kind of what to expect from the story. There's kind of like a little meta commentary here that I think is fun, where it's like, in the end, when you finally realize, oh, I shouldn't be trusting anything that's not engraved in metal, it's like, the book isn't in metal. So this is like the words in the book I shouldn't be trusting. There's like a weird meta mystery there. What do you guys think about, you know, the logbook and kind of the mysteries inherent? Oh, man. I'll let you go first, Julie. I mean, yeah, I I think it's like a really interesting way to frame the story because I will say there was a point. Uh, I want to say it's a little over midway through that. Yeah, I started to realize from what was in the logbook of like, wait a second, whatever's in the well of ascension is not good. And it's like, <laughs> what is his name? Rosh Rashek. Rashek's the Lord ruler. Quan's the guy who wrote Rashek. the book. Yes. Okay. There, well, there was a point where I realized that Rashek was. I mean, sent to kill him for a reason mm. and not just like, I feel like with the first book, it was very much like, oh yeah, I hated him. He was, you know, really upset that it wasn't a terrorist man that was the hero of ages, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, in this book, I felt like there was just this, I wish I like had the page number. There was an entry where I was like, wait a second, everything our heroes are working towards right now is exactly what they should not be <laughs> working towards. And I just thought like that was such a cool way, you know, when I feel like whenever, I mean, I'm someone that reads a lot. So I usually pick up on things before they happen. Cause you know, like I said, you just read a lot, you know, a lot of tropes, you know, how a lot of story direction goes. I felt like with this book, especially with the log book, it was like, I could tell, like, I mean, Sanderson was leading us along and I was picking up things right as he was wanting me to pick up things. So yeah, so whenever we get to the, you know, explosive ending, I was like, yes, the logbook is really what gave me this clue that this is how all this was going to go down in the end. So that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were there were obviously hints that there was something that the Lord Ruler had been doing the entire time. Like there were not even hints, just explicit language telling us like, you've doomed yourself. Like I was holding this back. You fucked yourselves. So there was that, but justice for Lord ruler. (laughs) I'm a Lord ruler. Apologize. (laughs) I kind of am too, except for the like bad, you know, underholding of the ska. Everything else is okay. Yeah. Like once I looked up the fan art, I was like, okay, (laughs) you got me. Have you guys looked at the fan art? Oh my gosh. PJ, PJ has to be very man. careful. So I have to say that is true. PJ, don't ever. <laughs> so I always like doing the read alongs. I I said I write the summaries. I often Google things just to make sure that oh, I dangerous. am correct. Oh, yeah. And that's how I Googled Lord Ruler fan art. And then, like, the first thing I see, he's got like. 
two spheres through him. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't think I should well, be seeing hot, this. But I don't think I should be seeing that. <laughs> I was into it, but yeah, I was like, this looks like a giant spoiler. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> I think that's probably the same picture that Cross sent me, like it right is, when we got to that point. That I gave you. Because yeah. that's such a it's such hot. a cool <laughs> piece of art. Yeah. But throughout this entire story, I was pretty convinced that there were two different texts that were being pulled from because it felt like such opposing voices. And I it caught me off guard. I'll be the first one to admit it. I did not see it coming that it was like actually changing the text. Everything, everything made sense. Love to the reveal. The fact that he tells you right away what's wrong, I think, is what's so astonishing about this entire book, because it I think it intentionally lacks a prologue. Every other Brandon Sanderson book that I've read has a prologue. This one does not have a prologue. And I think it's to drive focus in on that first chapter. I think it's really effective because especially in a reread, you're like, oh, yeah, this is literally in the first chapter. You see the entire journey unfold. For what is going to be the entire book. You see like Ellen looking at the mist and like focusing in on the way that it's coming over the walls. He he talks about like capabilities of being a mistborn. You get the, the lie in the metal. You get like this this idea of like Condra. Like everything is in that first chapter. And you're just not paying attention because you want to read the story. And it's just a good work. Good work, Brandon. You know, I will say the log book, and once again, I am a Lord Ruler apologist. <laughs> now I'm going to end up the president of Lord Ruler fan club by the end of this podcast. All, I would love a, uh, the, <laughs> I would love a you know prequel that's just like yeah, what we're seeing in the log book, but more sketched out and going more in depth. Like I mean, the log book's telling a really interesting story. It just yeah, I mean, I I. I really like this book and I, the way that it's presented is super cool, but yeah, mm. I would read a prequel. I mean, I read anything Sanderson writes at this point, the, his grocery yeah. list. I would check out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely in that camp too, at this point after stormlight archive and whatnot in this, this series, I will say definitely in your read along, don't miss secret history, but don't read it until bands of mourning just include it. But Yeah. Someone posted, yeah, a, you know, chronological, not chronological, but a recommended reading order yeah. for all of Mistborn. And yeah, I was like, why is Secret History not right after Hero of Ages? But I don't know. I'll tr- I trust you. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I will I... wait. Is there a wait? Is there Lord Ruler backstory in Secret History? There's some backstory. I'm not going to, I'm not well, a spoiler person. Getting excited. <laughs> It is called secret history. There's definitely something secret and there's some history there. So, yep. All right. Mm-hmm. The title doesn't <laughs> lie. <laughs> it's a, no, it's a good time. I think, I think you'll really, you will either enjoy it or it'll be very divisive for you. That's been the reaction that I've, I've read or experienced from, from that. So either okay. you love it or, you know, whatever. You get to see Crossland be very nice about <laughs> things that will come up that we haven't read yet. Yeah, I get to see, <laughs> fuck you, you'll find out later, anytime I bring up a question. PJ got some of that shit last night, which was funny. <laughs> <laughs> when we recorded the end of this, I was like, yeah, Raffo, good luck. <laughs> so, there's that. Crossland, you can be nice 
if you want to be. This is proof. Speaking of nice, let's talk about Zane, our favorite torture. <laughs> boy. Look, I, so I started off being like, he's he's you know like the hot topic poster boy. Yes, yeah. But I feel like by the end of the book, I was like, no, he works at hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> he's like beyond. He is the emo hot topic book character. Yeah, yep. yeah, he'd sell his soul in a second to to any demon on the street. He'd be like, "Hell yeah!" I spent all of this book being like, oh, "Do I do I like him? Do I prefer him to Ellen?" But then by the end, I was like, "Oh God, no!" <laughs> <laughs> this is like your high school boyfriend that's, that you don't tell people about. That's a great comparison. <laughs> I was just going to say, he's like, he's like the guy and I'm wearing a Blink-182 shirt right now. So this is a little bit hypocritical. How many Blink-182 t-shirts are in your immediate grips? Grasp. There's four, four actually. Anyway, <laughs> God, I have a problem. Needless to say, it'd be like someone wearing like a My Chem shirt every day um, of their existence. Oh. And like, you'd be like, oh no, you, you could be really cool, but you have a problem. Look, he's beyond MCR. He's like Kills the number one fan of, yeah. I was going to say 30 seconds to Mars. Oh I God, feel like that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> he's Jared like, Leto it, into this. he's into Jared Leto. No, he would, he's front he row at the, Morbius. Oh, <laughs> he's the only we, person at Morbius. <laughs> that's like, so to me, Oh God, I'm going to get so much shit for this. I would easily <laughs> readily compare <laughs> Kelsier to Jared Leto in the way that he has a cult following. Oh, why? Why would you do that to Kelsier? I know, I know, but think about it. Think about it. Zane idolizes the man throughout the book, and I don't know. I don't know. He's got that same kind of rock star. I yeah, idolizes him for the wrong reasons. I, I should say it's it's all about his power and like what he what he represented. So I will say I don't really think that. I just. Like <laughs> Digging into Jared Cross and I God both have a very like highly rated movie that I'd consider in like one of my probably in my top in my ten top movies, 10. Mr. Nobody, which stars Jared Leto. So there is oh that. Oh my god, I never saw it, but oh, I remember so when good. it came out. It's so good. Okay. Well, yeah. I I mean I hate Jared Leto. I have spent Me too, but over a decade. <laughs> So I feel like now everybody hates Jared Leto. And so it's not cool. So you have to come around. Is that what you're saying? No, no. I feel okay. vindicated. <laughs> okay. I will like soak in this like, yeah, I knew this guy was a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> but to say he's like Kelsier, I just, I don't know. Well, you can't do that. Well, you're suggesting that Kelsier's a douchebag. Um, well, he, yeah, he is and he isn't. Kind of, sometimes <laughs> he, gets, he gets over it a little bit, but yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's got some he's got some work to do on himself. Oh wait, he's dead. How could he do any work? Um, yeah, I just I don't know if Jared Le- I don't see Jared Leto sacrificing himself, but I do. Obviously, he has built a cult around himself. So I can entirely imagine Jared Leto sacrificing himself while Kings and Queens <laughs> plays in the background, and like you just hear this grand pulse of music as he like jumps off a bridge for no fucking reason for the sake of a tour acting yeah it was method he was going method method. he's like yeah i needed a cliff jump for real with no wire and it's like well cool wait a second wait 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 
I feel like Jared Leto would be a, a Kandra because that's method oh, that's acting, isn't it? True. You're probably. <laughs> Jared probably Leto has actually devoured people's bones to <laughs> inhabit the role of Doctor. It's Army Hammer. Oh, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Army Hammer was just method acting, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) This is how we go off the rails. Um. Yeah, you're going to get a letter from Army Hammer's lawyers. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. We haven't gotten one yet, but maybe. (laughs) And yeah, Jared Leto's lawyers. But to PJ's point, Mr. Nobody is the only Jared Leto movie that's really worth watching outside of Blade Runner 2049, in which he's kind of a nothing character. Oh, yeah. So like. Well, I always a little bit of Leto goes a really long way. (laughs) (laughs) That was like the perfect amount. I liked him in House of Gucci as well. That's (laughs) oh, that was awful. (laughs) He was awful in that. No, he was. He was. He was. But he was was playing like just a fucking bumbling idiot, and it worked. (laughs) I don't know. It was the worst Italian accent oh, was, I've ever so heard bad. in my life. It was such a bad accent. My so peaches. <laughs> my, my peaches. <laughs> I can just imagine. I can imagine Ridley Scott telling Leto to fuck off many times while filming. Like, God, that man. Anyway, mm-hmm. I could rant, but. <laughs> we have all podcasts. This is Johnny Depp, Jared Leto, <laughs> interspersed Tiny... with Zane Sazed. We're doing our very weird fan casting right now. <laughs> totally incorrect fan casting of Mistborn. All right, so Jared Leto plays Kelsier. Um, <laughs> please no, please no. Okay, if Jared I Leto has to be, <laughs> if he has to be in the movie, who do you cast him as? Oh my god. Straff. Because he's the worst. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and preys on underage women. Yes, precisely. <laughs> that's, just, it's, that's just natural to Jared Leto. You know. <laughs> it is uh, perfectly ironic in the same way. Oh God, what, what's the comedian who's in you of whom was who was in the in you preying on Christy Elliott? Yeah. Right. So like terrible but like cast for the role in the part and then later found to actually be doing the thing that his vile character was doing in the show it's like wow are you even acting or do you just exist it was method he was just method acting (laughs) (laughs) look has anyone i like is anyone method acting you never hear of it like oh yeah they were just such a nice person and you know, I don't know. Tom, well, Tom Hanks is a nice guy, period. But, you know, it's like, oh, he inhabited Fletcher, the role. I think. Yeah. I don't think anyone likes Well, Sean. yeah, I feel like Heath Ledger's um, form of method, I just feel like, was different. Like, he He's isolated himself. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't an, an asshole to everybody. <laughs> I just feel like Jared Leto uses that as an excuse to be an asshole. Yeah. Yep. I'm trying to think of anyone else. I love. Yeah, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like Straff is probably a good. Like, how yeah. old is Jared Leto? He is precisely <laughs> four months older than my father. I found out he is okay. the age of my dad, which is 50. So. Okay. I feel like he looks anywhere between 40 and 5,000 years old. 
<laughs> so maybe the Lord Ruler, but hopefully not. <laughs> no, please don't ruin this for me. Michael Fassman, the Lord, the Lord Ruler. Oh, I would say Lee Pace, but I do love oh, Michael Fassman. Lee Pace would do it. Lee Pace could do it too. Yeah, yeah. He's got that voice. I just, mm-hmm. I think he's perfect casting. God, yeah, his. <laughs> I yep. think there was, uh, there was, I, like Pace too. I think it was myself and one other person in our discord that had put Adam driver at Lord mm, ruler. Yeah. Also a good, pull, that's not bad. Okay. Wait, but Jared, could Jared Leto play the guy that Vin levels that headbutt that explodes? His head? <laughs> <laughs> Please. And tell him that it's a good role. Like lie to Jared Leto. I mean, or that just so there's, I mean, that would be a very small role. Cool with that. But there's also the, the first noble, not no, not trusting, trusting, Lord trusting. That could work. Yeah. The guy who dies right in the way, right in the beginning to Kelsier. Oh, burns down his fucking house. Yeah, that would work. No, I want to see his head explode. Yeah. And then, but yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And having him as trusting would mean that we'd open on the, like, open to Jared Leto's face. Oh, God. The yeah, people walking series. out of the theater. Is this Morbius 2? Like <laughs> It'd be like a reverse Ned Stark. You know, like, you know that it's the bad guy who dies immediately. And you're like, okay, Jared Leto. Jared Leto can inhabit the opposite where he's like the bad guy who should die in everything. I'd be down with that. He he can he can fill that role in my head. He already does. Um, what if we had to cast Jared Leto as one of the like the core? Oh, uh, fuck! Like the group. group. <laughs> Doxin. Oh, hear me but out. Doxin's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. Doxin. Doxin is nice and simultaneously still holds a lot of the same like core prejudices. And I think kind of, you know, I don't miss him when he dies in this novel necessarily because I think that he didn't really show any growth after Kelsier died. Like, he didn't change. There was nothing nothing about him that was compelling after Final Empire. So, I think Leto could play him because he'd just die. Yeah. I mean, I will say, like, when I was writing the summary for that section of chapters where Doxon dies I actually forgot to put that he died and I mentioned like clubs and what is her name Tin Tindwill Tindwill that yep. was pronounced Tindwill yep. I mentioned her but yeah I totally forgot him <laughs> I was like sorry dog PJ doesn't think he's dead so <laughs> PJ's like no 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 I he have trust alive. issues like, <laughs> Zane can be alive I, look if I don't see a body if they are not Absolutely exactly. destroyed. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, yeah, they could still be alive. Yeah. You just helped out PJ's paranoia <laughs> in, a, in a deep, <laughs> deep way. So, okay, we we've got <laughs> we've we've talked a lot about a number of things, including this fantastic Jared Leto casting. But I want to talk about what our favorite POV is instead of the story, and why is it Breeze? Look, I almost cast Jared Leto as Breeze. Just a <laughs> <ago>. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a second. No, they really like Breeze. Don't was, do I that. I was afraid of that. I I'm going to get booted out of the podcast immediately. 
And um, wow, we lost the rest of the audio for the episode. <laughs> that's where it ended. It's so weird. Julie who unfollows. <laughs> I, I mean, I like yeah. I like Breeze a lot, but he, honestly, my favorite is Ellen in this book. Okay. I feel like this is his book. It is his book. Yeah. He gets a he gets a new wardrobe. He gets a pretty woman makeover. Piquin. <laughs> he totally does. He goes like full Devil Wears Prada with Tindwill. Like there's totally yeah. He gets some leadership skills. He he gets married. He gets some ass. Scoop <laughs> <laughs> listens. You know, like it's a, it's a whole problem. I was like, yeah, that is so awkward. That's when you don't want to be a ten eye yeah, on right. this random honeymoon trek. <laughs> you can't get away. <laughs> so you go with Ellen, though, is your favorite POV? Ellen's my favorite from this yeah. book. Yeah. yeah, I also liked him in the last book too just because i mean who doesn't love a guy that's reading at a party and being like 50 percent asshole great it's just great but yeah this i i really like i feel like there's a lot of character growth and he has a really interesting story i mean to the point where i would even say like his he's like the main character of this book in my opinion I, I totally think this is his book by and large. It focuses on him and like Ellen or sorry, not Ellen. Vin is sort of supplementary in a lot of ways. I think if you actually look at the POV chapter count, she is more. But the growth that we see is is from both of them. But I see we I think we see Ellen change the most and have that core mission kind of drive him. I, I agree with you there. Yeah. So. Sorry to de- to detract from talking about Bree. No, no, no. <laughs> I know no. you I want just, to talk I about just, it. I giggled about it when I wrote the question. I was like, what's your favorite P and why POV and why is it Breeze? I laughed when I wrote that myself. But yeah. I well, think why I'm do you funny. love Breeze? Let's talk about Breeze. I think Breeze is a breath of fresh air inside of the story in a, in a very different way. A, it's he's this comic relief character for the most part in the first in Final Empire. But I, I think he gets like a real level of depth. And I think that he shows nuance behind soothing and the way that he really actually cares about people in a in a very base way. The way that he can't stop soothing all the time, the way that he just has to help people consistently as he like walks by to like either make them feel better, or like fix a situation or like whatever he does even subconsciously when he is cowering himself in a moment that is no doubt going to give him PTSD and a lot of other kind of lingering issues, he is still doing the right thing for the people around him and like innately helping people and encouraging them. I I just think it just makes for such a compelling character and his and clubs, relationship in this book is, you know, I love Vin and Ellen's relationship, but like secondary friendship like that's such a cool friendship that's inside of the story i do love that like the first book kind of establishes breeze and ham as being you know like kind of this duo that like yeah likes to argue but i love that this book was like oh you know like oh he also hangs out with clubs like it didn't just continue like these are the two (laughs) bff you know like it, it really solidified that like this is a core group it's not mm-hmm. just these two and these two, not that breaking off that I see a lot of other books do. And but I was also like, well, I know Clubs is going to die because he's getting a lot of screen time. Uh, yeah, yeah. PJ didn't key into that right away. At the very least, we didn't talk about it. Um, PJ, no, you got to like, read more. I, I got that, like the chapter before or the chunk before where I got to read for 
five times all of that content with with Breeze and uh, and clubs, and then he died the next section. Yeah, the way that I break this up also is traumatic for PJ. Let's let me be honest. I intentionally traumatize PJ with the way that I break these sections up. So yeah, maybe you should start anticipating my trauma that I'm handing you. How but, am I going to anticipate that shit? I don't know. <laughs> good, good luck. Wait, so if you were fan casting Breeze, who would you cast? Ooh, Breeze is tough. I actually have someone I'm really proud of my okay, yeah, who's, head who's casting. Yeah. So if you watch what we do in the shadows, yes. I like the actor Matt Berry. Matt Berry plays Laszlo. Would make a gr- he would, would make be a very good. Great breeze. My brain initially said Benicio del Toro specifically Ooh, because of his kind of roguish portrayal in the last Jedi with the, the like rogue guy that he portrays. I think that that gives off some kind of the sneaky vibe that you want from breeze, but at the same time, a regality, there's like a question there, but I do, I do like Matt Berry better, I think. So I've got a weird one for this because Jared Leto. No, because of <laughs> his age. <laughs> so he's, he's 35. I believe who a oh, breeze breeze is 35. Breeze yep. is in his forties, isn't he? I don't think so. He's not that much older. Alrianne says that she, I, I think she says he's 35 at one point during this book. Yeah. Okay. I think I don't, I don't know him to have done any like serious roles, like non comedic roles, but I think Jonah Hill could do a good job with it. Not a bad call. I think he's actually a very good actor. And yeah, I, that's pretty good casting. I like that, PJ. Good choice. Thank you. Validation. <laughs> Crossing. Almost Take as notes. good as Jared Leto, but. <laughs> yeah, as, as long as it's not Jared as, Leto. Yeah. PJ, what were you saying? Do I need to, like. Be nicer to me. Looking? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I will make that a mid year resolution that I will promptly no, you ignore. Won't. No, you. <laughs> no, I. No, that's a good choice. I feel like yeah. Jonah Hill. Like, I, w- I would want an actor that's both good with comedy and with drama because yeah breeze especially in this book he gets full right. and yeah having that i hate to call it a meltdown but it's kind of the falls apart at the end yeah which you know of course like i i liked it made him very human and yeah he's not the strongest member of the group physically but uh, yeah i love that he still at least pitches in he could very easily leave and he does not yeah. Yeah, Breeze is great, but you know, I'm sorry, I picture Ellen as Timothy Chalamet, so <laughs> he's automatically my favorite. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I feel like he's got a little bit more of a strong like a stronger jaw, if that makes sense, like a more like jutted persona. I I can see the like Timothy Jared Chalamet. Leto. <laughs> uh, no, I I'm trying to think of like who I picture Ellen as. I feel like Man, the guy who plays Rand in The Wheel of Time is close-ish. A younger army hammer. Yeah, I, I, those those are kind of like my mental pictures for the most part. But, you know, I haven't fan-casted Alan in my own brain. It's just not one. I don't know. Maybe it's because I self-idolize myself as Alan. The lone oh, of the party. you picture yourself? Yeah. But like 10 years ago. Because like 20, you know, like the age. Yeah, yeah. 
anyway, now that we got that egocentrism out of the way. So my favorite point of view is not Breeze. Also, I think it could have been Zane if we gotten more of it. Zane's POV is fun. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, especially with God emo vibes. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. But with God jutting in all the time, telling him to kill people like you just see this torture like this internal torture that he's yeah, going through Julie. constantly hmm? <laughs> <laughs> but given that we only get a little bit of that i'm not going to pick zane says it i think is my favorite says it is yeah this book turns says from a great side character like an incredible side character into a fantastic main character yeah he yeah. definitely goes main character in this yeah, that's. I will say from the read along, I said you know there were, really wasn't a favorite, but as far as like strong feelings, I felt like the strongest feelings that people had were for Sazed, and I mean we start at Hero of Ages, and I always start off like you know who's your favorite character, who would you be most upset if they died, and people were like that he better not kill Sazed, <laughs> I will cry. What happened to him is arguably worse. (laughs) Yeah. He's just completely broken. Basically every facet of his life, everything that he held dear professionally and personally is just gone. Death would have been better for, for Sazed kind of in its own way. (sighs) Fuck. Just got depressed. Don't bring the mood down, but at the same time, so, that's like, that's so Jared Leto. Yeah, like literally anything else. No, I man, Sazed is definitely one of the best characters in in this novel, and one of the most interesting. He's set on the most deep journey, kind of in his own way. That he gets to like explore religion, and, and this book tackles faith in a couple of different ways. It, it tackles faith from the perspective of Vin and like her being the heir of survivor. Then it also tackles faith from this idea of the contradicting ideologies that says it holds inside and the way that that kind of breaks down. There's, there's a lot in this book about faith. I just want to pose the question kind of openly. How did you guys take that? Like what was, what were your takeaways regarding this? I mean, I thought it was once again, like I think, Brandon Sanderson is such a good writer. I know he's a very devout Mormon. And I feel like to write a series like this, which does stuff like present very different faiths and beliefs, but also like scrutinizes them, tears them down. He gets really introspective. And at this point in the series is presenting this idea of like, you know, faith doesn't always hold up, which, right. like I said, what I know about him being devout Mormon, I was like, I did really, I really didn't expect. And I think, you know, it's something that elevates the series beyond just being, you know, pure popcorn entertainment. It's a fun book to read, but it is that, that angle of it presents something that, you know, you can have really heavy discussion with the people you're reading with. I was like, this could be something that you could read in a college class and discuss. It's something that there's not really a solid answer you will come out with. You will go round and round and round, which, like I said, is really interesting for a fantasy series. 
Yeah. I think that's kind of the purpose of it in its own right, right? Like it's it's not meant to, you know, I, I'm trying to simplify it for the sake of like our conversation, but at the same time, it it demands to not be simplified. It demands to have this complexity to it. And I think that's for someone of whom is a devout member of their religion, that is like you can even read like Ender's Game and some of the later books and like you can get peeks into the the ideology like feeding through and this is like a clear coat of paint over his thoughts with with religion in general I I mentioned this yesterday when we were talking Crossland so I won't rehash it too much no, but I think I'm just kidding this this would be a very fun point of conversation conversation fun point of conversation to have crazy. with just kidding Brandon Sanderson, if we were to be able to sit down with him and like ask him about the writing process in this book in general and see if writing this book was either a product of or contributed to any change in his personal like relationship with his faith, even even in a subtle way, like if there was any personal influence there just from the process of writing this character this this story because it's super heavy in that in that detail i don't know yeah that would be i feel like yeah really interest i would love to see how he answered that because yeah reading it i was thinking yeah that i was i was thinking like this like he it must be someone who actually does like sit down and think pretty heavily about his faith and not just like blindly accept everything. And, you know, I've, I'm not a Mormon. I don't really understand it, to be honest. Not something that speaks to me. But yeah, from what I usually what we see about Mormons is that they are and people of faith in general is that they blindly accept things. And with this series, I was like, wow, he really does ask some pretty deep questions. And to have a character like Sazed, who is definitely, I mean, in the first book, the most, well, I guess you would say committed to the idea of there being different faiths and stuff, to have him completely lose his faith, I thought was such like a, a bold, like story choice. And once again, spoke to Sanderson, I think you're seeing somewhat into him as a person and at least this idea that, yeah, he is someone who asks asked questions whether that maybe strengthened his faith i don't know but yeah it would be interesting to see how much of him like went into this book or went into the series mm -hmm. yeah yeah hmm. it's it's really tough to parse and i i think that it is it's one of those books that challenges a lot of those thoughts and ideologies across the board so it's tough to talk about without getting into the results of what says it is going to go through because clearly he's set on a path now. Like this is, this is setting up the third book for says in a large part. He has to go through a trial and tribulation related to this depression and losing Tindwill and his sort of stake in faith in general. Um, and this is a, this is kind of a fascinating loop throughout the story because in the end we find out that the faith has also been manipulated. Like that's a huge point here is that an entire religion has been manipulated for over a thousand years to lead to this point to releasing this beast from the well of ascension this this creature this thing from from the well of ascension it's been manipulating a people and Quan could even see it way back when and even his writings were were tortured and lamented and it ah oh man it's so good 
I don't even I don't even know how to parse it. I just I love this book. I love it. It's 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 one of my favorite. It's in my top three Sanderson books. I think. Ooh. Yeah. Spicy yeah, just, take. Uh, Might be third. Okay. But. So to take this conversation back to the silly. I'm in on silly. <laughs> so going back to like Brandon Sanderson being a Mormon, I know I listened to your episode with Lindsay where you discussed the, what is, what's the first book called? The Final, the Final Empire? Empire. Yeah. I, this was talked about a little bit, I know, in that episode. But were either of you disappointed that Vin and Alan, like, never made out at any point? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like a fucking cold shower, and I agree with Lindsay in all contexts on that. It is, this is, <laughs> there. the spice is there. Like, just unlock, like, like turn the key, damn it. Like. I get with the first book, like they're yeah. getting to know each other. I get it. But with the second <laughs> book, I was like, good God, they're side hugging. Like, come on. <laughs> at some point, these two would at least make out. <laughs> well, and Brandon, like at, at the same time, like sidesteps the like fade to black trope to some degree with like the fade to the morning after, which is interesting but still feels cheaty, you know, in its way with that tent. Yeah. And I mean, like I say this, I really don't want to re I don't think Brandon I don't Sanderson think writing much. Yeah. Right. It right. would ever I don't think it would be good. And you know, it's not everyone's strong suit, but I'm at least like, could you, like come on, like just a make out like it doesn't have to be explicit. Do you think he would write a sex it scene gets ridiculous in the yeah. same style as his combat scenes? <laughs> oh no <laughs> would anybody read anything after that like would anybody pick up the book after that i don't know i mean at this point we're basically in a cult so yeah <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure yes yeah <laughs> Like, how much should I spend on that Kickstarter? Yeah, I'd probably read it. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but I would be laughing my ass off. Yeah, like, it wants, yeah, I get that it's not his strength. I'm not yeah. asking for, you know, I don't know, 50 Shades of Mistborn. Like, doesn't have to be like that. But, yeah, the side hugging and the, they just basically, like, Ben sits on his lap. That's. I mean, they get a tent scene. Yeah, you're right about like, oh, it's cut to the morning after and like Ben's got her tits out. <laughs> he doesn't even say that, but no. <laughs> right. we we know she does. <laughs> yeah. That's all we get. Yeah. And then poor Spook just <laughs> awkwardly sitting just outside. <laughs> there, yeah. We we said so much about that Spook scene that we'd like cut. Um, for time for the epi- that episode <laughs> that it ended up in our like bonus devil's cut thing and it was like a almost a 20 minute conversation about how unfortunate it is to be spook in that moment <laughs> that's what i feel like that's when he really started to be like you know what i made a coward's choice <laughs> <laughs> before he's like this is right i need to get out of here and then yeah after everything he heard he's like oh my god what have i done <laughs> 
Oh man. Okay, so we we've we've <laughs> skipped around like a lot of characters and we talked about a lot of, a lot of like side things. I do want to talk a little bit about Vin and we can lead in with the this book is sexless, but <laughs> I think at the same time I do want to talk about like Vin's path through the novel. What would you guys think about that? I was a, a little I honestly don't know how to feel about the sort of love triangle that's going on with Ellen and his brother Zane. I felt like the whole book, I was like, oh my, don't, please don't, please don't turn this into vampire diaries with the Salvatore <laughs> brothers. And it's like yeah. he did, but he didn't. I feel like Brandon Sanderson also was like, I don't really know. Maybe, maybe she's into Zane. Maybe she's not. I, I at the end I wasn't even I I don't know how she felt about him. I I think I think that from a thematic level we can think about the the love triangle to some degree is this was offering up Kelsier as an option to her to some degree as like this is the powerful mistborn that you maybe felt like you missed out on as a, as a relationship like Kelsier was dad like I'm not I'm not saying that but there's a form of Kelsier that she feels like she probably could have <laughs> married. Kelsier was daddy. I said dad. I specifically <laughs> okay, said okay. dad. But you said daddy. So Kelsier was daddy. If you didn't say it, I was going to. <laughs> Look, I, I, I like, tried my I'll hardest. print. <laughs> I'll print T-shirts. Yeah, Kelsier would love this and his cult he has going on. <laughs> From the afterlife, he's like, "Fuck yeah, fuck yeah." You know. <laughs> like Crossland at first I was so against Jared Leto as Kelsier but now that we're in we're getting into this real like the cult aspect and Kelsier's daddy shirts yeah for sure Jared Leto can play him now his daddy oh no not another one <laughs> we've had so many characters lately go daddy on the podcast and like people latch into that in our mentions so Look, if I ever meet Brandon Sanderson and get to ask him a question, I'm going to be like, how do you feel about anyone saying Kelsier is daddy? (laughs) (laughs) And just see him look totally horrified. He'll just be like, he doesn't have kids. (laughs) 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 He's just unaware. All right, I'm sorry, I so derailed no, that. No, what were no, you you're saying? perfect. It's so good. It was, it was, it was necessary derailment. We were just talking about like Vin's trajectory, and so we we moved into kind of the the question of like that love love triangle and and, and Zane's kind of tangential relationship in, and then relating it to Kelsier and like the powerful Mistborn. Uh, yeah, that's it. I think part of my issue with that whole love triangle thing is it's more like an obtuse angle if we think about it. It's not really a triangle. It's like yeah, I mean, I guess the the sort of split decision on Vin's point of view of, like, kind of falling for this guy that's not Ellen. I think there's a lot that's left off the page that we should have gotten. I think there are a lot more mm. scenes and a lot more time with Zane that she's probably pulling from, and we just have no idea about it. Because it, it feels like even his obsession with her even even so like obviously it's a little bit one-sided and he's reading more into it than he should be but it feels way more like that and i don't think that's necessarily deserved i bet there's a lot more interaction that we don't know about so 
that's kind of my my read on that is what's what's not being said here and what what's been left out because we know she meets with him pretty regularly and we we only get a handful of interactions in the book yeah yeah i would say that it's one of the weaker parts of the book because of that and yeah maybe if it was fleshed out more i i like that angle of like vin is having to choose between yeah, embracing being a misborn and finding someone who can understand that aspect of her. Mm-hmm. I like all the parts with Zane being like, hey, you're being used as a weapon and Ellen's <laughs> doing shit that proves that. But yeah, I felt like when it comes down to the like ro- romantic angle, I just was like, I just either you commit to it or you don't do it. I guess I, uh, well, Zane is crazy. So it's really hard to tell <laughs> if this is like a romantic, like he's into her. But with Ben, I was like, no, she's into Ellen, even though they can't communicate to save themselves. Yeah. I feel like even yeah. if you remove the romantic angle on it, it still feels like there's not enough there to justify Vin even considering leaving Ellen to go with him away from the city. Like, even if there was nothing romantic involved there at all, it still feels like a weak motivation. I think the biggest complaint from my read along that people had with this book was the Ellen and Vin miscommunication or even, I guess, lack of communication. It wasn't even miscommunication. They just didn't talk. And the excuse being they were both busy so yeah i feel like i i don't know but that's such a major part of the book (laughs) i'm like how do you take this out you kind of have to have it Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like to me to me there's there's that one scene that happens with sazed right where like they move back and forth and it's like it's almost like elvis and costello or like monty python-esque where it's like Vin's in the room talking to Sazed and then Ellen's in the room talking to Sazed and like Tyndall's like being bounced around outside. And I, I love that scene for what it is, but it also epitomizes their lack of ability to communicate, which is so important for this critical relationship you're about to enter in which you're sharing everything that it does feel a little bit quick to come around and like make all of the other decisions without like seeing a little bit more communicative or emotional growth. Yeah, I also really like that scene. It was funny. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like, I think hesitant to be like, yes, throw this completely out of the book. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe if Ellen was doing more than side hugging her, we wouldn't have these issues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Hmm. But back to Zane. (laughs) So what, and this is like unintentionally funny to me, him stabbing her in the side boob. Yeah, that was weird. At the same time. I didn't expect this from a Brandon Sanderson novel. The, that action, that scene in and of itself, we actually, we cut that because we like barely parsed through it at the time. And people were like, you didn't talk about like her getting stabbed and like kissed at the same moment. And I was like, well, it was unintelligible. You wouldn't have liked it. But now we can talk about it. That moment is fucked up because it's like stabbing her and kissing her at the same time. And you're like, 
he's like, I have to kill you kind of vibe. It's just, man. Hmm. It's like Emperor Palpatine to Anakin levels of fucked up emotional abuse. Because he kissed him and stabbed him in the side boob, too. It's totally the same. The side totally boob, exactly the same. Side boob yeah. stab was, just doesn't make sense to me. That was a deleted me. scene. It was. The side boob stab. It just doesn't. That's when I was officially like, well, Zane's out. <laughs> go back go back behind the counter at Hot Topic, Zane. This is over. <laughs> go sell skateboards and goth socks. Yeah. Hmm. Any any other thoughts on, on Vin inside of this book? The assumed hero I, of ages. So there's the I'll comment. Say like, oh, sorry. Go for it. Oh, go ahead, PJ. Okay. There's the comment towards the end from Sazed who talks about how she must have been like pewter pewter dragging for months. Mm-hmm. And it's making me want to go back and see if she ever actually sleeps on page at all. Or if she is just straight up awake for months at a time. I don't she I don't know talks about falling off and like being close to sleep. But every time she quote sleeps quote, she like jumps up almost immediately in action. So it seems as though she's never like experiencing deep sleep okay. on a reread. Okay. That just just from me. It's fine. It's not it's not fact or anything. I don't just, remember. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> that's the I'll that's the, the other thing. Actually, that brings up a point that feeds into the Vin Ellen conversation. They have separate bedrooms, don't they? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Shocker. Yep. Okay. <laughs> They're side hugging PJs. <laughs> they would be yeah, like the fifties me... sitcom with the twin beds separated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's that episode in WandaVision that I'm just imagining right now where they have the separate yeah, beds the same. entirely. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, Vin. Good night, Helen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, look, there's not even. I just, oh, I don't know. We could something. talk about this all night. I'm like, Anything. why? Yeah. Why the weird? It's like all forehead kisses. Or he'll always. <laughs> I feel like Sanderson always goes with the, the description. Is always like he kissed her passionately, and that that's all we get. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Yeah. Didn't sound passionate. Right. I, Sanderson is self-described as like writing as though you're like viewing through a window pane and like you get to put whatever you want on it. And sometimes it's like, yeah, but I want to hear your flourish. I want to hear your like spark on this. What's your what's your like what's your extra little, you know, sauce on top of this? So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I understand that. Speaking of, though, we've been talking a lot about Vin. Let's talk about Alrian, who's kind of her foil in a way in this inside of this novel. I find Alrian fascinating from a character perspective. PJ does not trust her. I do not like this character. I do not not like like this person. I feel like Mistborn is not the. I mean, I haven't read all of Sanderson's work, but I don't think it's his best representation for female characters i just felt like with this book in particular all the women characters did not like each other which i'm just like can there's like really only three here there's only three right yeah can we not just have some sort of friendship between at least two of them but yeah all i i still don't really know how i feel about her i do like 
this idea that you have this character who's presented at, and she presents herself as being a ditz, but clearly is not. Clearly is, yeah, this is like really strong character. But I like also, I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about the age gap between her and Breeze, but it's a little uncomfy. But I will say too, like Breeze is uncomfy with it, mm-hmm. but does that make it okay? She's an adult though. He's 18. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, but if, I, if we're, if we're going into it. that, we have to have the conversation about the fact that Vin was 16 when she started seeing Ellen. True. Like, I think it was such an interesting choice to like have Breeze and Alrian be a couple, but also have Straff Venture be, you know, on like to catch opposite, a predator. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> Chris Hansen yeah. walking in like, hey, have a seat. <laughs> PJ has cited Chris Hansen so many times inside of this podcast for Lysander. Lysander. For Lysander. Lysander. Straff. Uh, and Ellen Dwight. <laughs> Ellen Dwight. Ellen. Hey, Ellen yeah. was tw- 21. She, she was she 17 when they met. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, I, yeah I just... I, I don't know. I guess I would say I actually like the choice that Straff is just this, I mean, totally disgusting pedophile. Yeah. And But Breeze at least is like hesitant. And it is very clear that she is like the one trying to get with him. So, mm-hmm. but we also I'll give know, it a pass, but we also know that this is something that she has personally like intentionally rioted out of him. Like he was uncomfortable with this and she basically, I hesitate to say forced because they're very clear about rioting and soothing, not actually changing anybody's feelings, but just kind of enhancing them. So suppressing or raising. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you could say like, I mean, obviously there's consent there. Like he knows what she's doing. I mean, I guess you could, yeah, you could say there's consent, but yeah, Yeah. that was another thing that came up in my read along was like, how do we feel about Breeze and Alrian? And it was pretty mixed. Yeah. I, she just, she carries herself as a spy from the beginning and Never proves herself otherwise. Like, I she, think her, like her father, Set, is also an interesting, like, I don't, do I yeah. trust this guy? It's a family a trait. Right. So he's, he's not, but he's also somewhat likable at times. Yeah. What I really appreciate, appreciate about him is his conviction. He is consistent through and through. Everything that he says never gets like contradicted. You know, like he he admits he's not a great person, but he has justifications for it, but he never backs down from it. Even when confronted in, in a very hostile way from Vin. She's like, Yeah, you're not you're not the man that Ellen is. He's like, Yep, you're right. Absolutely. And I've said this before. <laughs> he's he's honest to a fault like truly and i i think that that's really compelling because i think a lot of characters say like oh or like feel like they're honest to a fault but i think that 
Set is really looking out for himself in the most direct and literal sense. And like, there's no other interpretation of what he's doing. He's not playing back alley games for the most part. He's just honest. And sometimes that honesty comes through a lens of, of like neutrality to like negative, like badness, badness. What a word choice. You know, it's, he's fascinating. I love it. He is like epitomizes that. What you see is what you get. Like there's, really he doesn't really have like hidden motives and stuff which mm-hmm. is why i feel like he throws vin off so much she's so hell-bent on this idea that he is a misborn i was with to her the point of <laughs> pj was <laughs> that. He was like, he's, Sorry, fucked. PJ. he's fucked he's fucked he's <laughs> fucked he was super angry but that once again pj when you read a ton of books you can see all this stuff yeah. coming i was like there's no way he's going to be like yeah this someone who's just completely honest And yeah, I thought that was a great scene where Vin kills a lot of people. Zane talks her into it. And she's just so, like I said, hell bent on this idea that either him or his son have to be misborn and neither of them are, which, you know, sets off the, well, it's not going to work out with Zane. He works for Hot Topic. I can't be with him. (laughs) (laughs) He works in a dilapidated mall. A guy that works at Hot Topic, guy that is commands a king was king yeah, yeah. the deposed okay. king now emperor the deposed king <laughs> what are you gonna choose i mean the dumbest <laughs> it's real. an easy choice mm-hmm. yeah is there zane fans out there <laughs> <laughs> are there <laughs> i don't would anyone actually choose zane over ellen that's a great question i i think that Zane's story is so tragic in its own right, especially when you consider that there's obviously like some other manipulation and being one of Straff's children and one of these unfortunate like, you know, half ska born children that are treated so poorly by him. (sighs) Man, his story is like laden with tragedy, but at the same time, he never chose to overcome it because he saw instead his ability to overcome through power as opposed to through any kind of emotional growth, like a proper emo kid from the Midwest that never changes. (laughs) So. we can identify with them yeah. but doesn't mean i have to like Some guy who only listens to jimmy world and cries in his basement alone all the time mm-hmm. yeah. no one understands me no one gets me <laughs> so regarding regarding that sort of or not not Vin, zane ellen thing again i'm upset by the fact that we get ellen saying brother question mark and then never addressing it again. <laughs> like she drops this bomb on him that she almost left him for his brother that he didn't know about and was barely reacts. a mistborn. Barely reacts, never readdresses it. it, it it's so much information for him to like take in. Got, and he got distracted by getting married and finally having <laughs> sex with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> for all we know they just side hugged the whole time so <laughs> that is true <laughs> we don't really know that is true but there's no confirmation <laughs> tragic now I'm gonna ask Brandon at a, a convention or something did they actually have sex or did they just side hug the whole time <laughs> 
Because it felt like maybe an aggressive side hug. Like, yeah, yeah. while I'm wearing a shirt that says Kelsier is daddy. He's going to be like, who is that? The foxy reader, please don't ever let her anywhere near me again. <laughs> please ensure that she doesn't so- show up to any future signings. Um, thank you. <laughs> is it better to wear a Kelsier is daddy shirt? to meet with Brandon Sanderson or to just send him one. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you have to do. (laughs) That's the answer. I just, I feel like if we, if I send him one, like I'm never going to get any confirmation. He received it until like maybe 10 years from now. Honestly, it's worth it. The story (laughs) worth it. So good. (laughs) Yeah, we got mass produced these <laughs> I I think we've 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 struck marketing gold with Kelsier's daddy, and we could absolutely mass produce these and get them out to to the fans that are rapidly awaiting Daddy Kelsier merch. Yeah, I mean, people like Kelsier. This would yeah. be a pretty big seller. I'm, I'm sure. What what would be the accompanying image? Is it just like something like Kelsier's daddy, or is it like? I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to think if it yeah. needs to be like a kind of thirst trappy yeah. <laughs> like right. fan art. Right. Is it like with chest hair out and like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. It could just <laughs> be this, <laughs> he's like Mistborn cloak only. Oh, oh, there it is. There it is. Sexy Kelsier daddy with a Miss cloak only. Yep. 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 That. Totally. Yeah. And then you get the chest hair peeking out. That works perfectly. That's definitely. I'm going to contact whoever did some of that Lord Ruler fan art and be like, hey, can you please do this? Here's here's what I'm looking for. I'll pay you 5%. And I'll pay you up front for the design. Please help me. This is stupid as shit to come out of you know what we, daddy we fucking do this all the time and we love the stupid shit out of our show it's always the best yeah so, that's the best part of these conversations right right the way the way it devolves properly like i, I can't believe we've been talking so long about this book not that long but long enough that nothing has come up about the candra really Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce right. their names or Condra, or Kendra, it's sure or sure well, or or sure yeah. and yeah uh, that twist threw me for a loop. I screamed out loud, laughed, and then actually clapped. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "The Kendra's the Kendra." <laughs> Genius! It's just so that good. whole book being like, "Who is the Kendra?" And then I like got down. I was like, "Is it Spook?" He's like the only one she hasn't cleared. And then it was the Kandra, and I was like, "Oh, that is clever! Way to go, Brandon!" Yeah, we we totally feel cheated. Um, way to go, Brandon! It just feels so. Let's go, Brandony to me. Like, I know. I just, Let yeah, me I know. wait. Yeah, right. Way to go, Sanderson. That's better. Thank I you. was really expecting <laughs> expecting the the Kandra to be one of the mistings and like this was something overlooked that or sewer didn't know that they could have allomantic abilities that's what i was really expecting to happen but 
I really enjoyed the reveal. I was happy with it. You were blown away, and you'd been on to like the the nature of the conjure the whole time, but you you weren't quite there. You were just like just a step away, and I was just sitting there the whole time, like you never you're never gonna figure it out. That's so great. I don't know if anyone could figure that out. Yeah, like, it's... It, I feel like if someone was like, "Yeah, I totally guessed who it was," I'd be like, "You are full of shit." I don't yeah, believe you it. Googled it. Yeah, I didn't. I <laughs> I was like, I was like, I have no fucking clue who it is. At Marsh, <laughs> my brain jumped to like weird tangential characters. There was this, with the way that the scene is set up, there was a split second where I was like, wait a second, Zane is the Kendra? Because that to me was more believable than, for- oh, it's the. Then, oh, it's the, sorry. Yeah, as I know, it's whatever his name is, Orsur. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, well, who I thought was Orsur. It's not actually him. <laughs> PJ was was stuck for a period on it being Ellen, and I was like, it would feel so cheap if we were in Ellen's perspective, and it was Ellen, 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 and then it was actually a Chandra. I had a second where I thought that. PJ, yeah. if that makes you feel better. It does. Thank you. I was like, oh, maybe it could be him. That would be a pretty big betrayal or yeah. change for Vin, but I was like, maybe that's why he's side hugging so much. Maybe the <laughs> maybe the Kendra don't make out. They've <laughs> got weird tongues. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he's got a weird tongue. He's very self conscious about they have, it. They have to slide on all of the fur and everything else and the bones and then the tongue is like something that they generally forget and they're like, Oh, it's it's nice and meaty, so I typically eat that. I don't <laughs> He didn't want to dive into Vin's mouth. He was self-conscious. (laughs) Well, okay, so I, like, hate to admit this, but also I don't. So after I finished the book, I was like, there's got to be some, like, raunchy fan fiction out there for Miss Porn because it is just so, like, like you said, cold shower. And, yes, there is. And some of it I was like, there's just too, too much with the Kandra that, yeah, it's, I was like, oh, my God. If Brandon Sanderson ever saw this, he would actually die. <laughs> <laughs> he would faint <laughs> immediately. Yeah, I I haven't dug in partially originally because it was out of fear of spoilers for Area 2. I guess I could do that now. But um, there, there's someone on AO4 archive, archive of our own who yeah. wrote an entire series that every chapter was about a new character losing their virginity. <laughs> like they went through each of the characters and how they each lost their virginity. <laughs> and at first I was like, oh, that's so cringy. And then I was like, you know what? That's not a bad idea for a series. It's kind of good. <laughs> yeah, right. This is actually a good idea. We've we've had conversations about using allomantic abilities in the bedroom before. So I, I feel oh, like it's perfectly, like it perfectly lends itself to fan fiction in that way. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like, okay, so you picked tin. We had a long conversation about tin in the bedroom specifically. Yep. I mean, I feel like that could like benefit me. I don't know how it's going to benefit the <laughs> no, other person. It's, totally, it's an internal benefit. <laughs> yeah. Entirely. 
you know, that's actually why I picked 10. Okay. Now that I'm a second bit beer in, I'll admit it. <laughs> the gossip was all a smoke screen. I'm just in it for the sex. <laughs> but which of the other ones would be good? <laughs> uh, rioting in Any? theory. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That's ATM good. would but be the- good. Yeah, ATM. <laughs> you could see what they're gonna do next. Yeah, you're like, okay, let's <laughs> play. Don't play do that. Yeah, no, it might, be, it might be too much. Whatever you're thinking, don't do that. <laughs> you don't want to warn them off of it. You just want to adjust so that I wouldn't. Yeah, anyway, that worked. Don't do that. <laughs> okay, so there's uh, so that's ATM. What else would be interesting? I think we said depending on how. Well, you could control it. Steel and iron in like a we, binding setting could yeah, could we, we did could work. <laughs> Hit that. <laughs> you know, it just it just gets so deliciously raunchy so easily that you can imagine wait, the can you, all over the place. Wait, could you Duralumin blast an orgasm? That's exactly what I brought yeah, up. Yeah, that's <laughs> with Tim. <that's> exactly. <laughs> Like it's a tin blast. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad I chose ten. This gonna work out pretty well for me. <laughs> I'm all like, this isn't useful. I'm just stupid. No, I I made the best yeah. decision. Yeah, it's a good choice. <laughs> perfect, perfect spy and otherwise. I want every single one of your like full book wrap ups to somehow get back to this conversation. It will. Now you're two for two. Yes, so the third book, you better somehow work that into the conversation. I somehow I don't imagine it going that way with the guest we have booked for the third one. But <laughs> I will press it regardless. <laughs> you know, float the idea out there. See I, how I must. I, I just damn it, we have to. We we hit elementic ability and then we hit elementic abilities in the bedroom, the f- top and bottom of the episode as kind of a, a rule that mm-hmm. it's got to be. Yeah, I cannot believe this actually never came up in the read-alongs I did, and I'm shocked. Fascinating. With the people who are in them. So now you've got a thing to talk about with uh, with Hero of Ages by the end. <laughs> it's yeah we have yeah we have one more chat left. I mean, like, forget the rest of the book. What do you guys think? <laughs> now that we've gone what through we- everything. <laughs> What metal would you burn in the bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people, oh I was like, I, they would love this question. So thank you all. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> we also, we didn't talk about it, but pewter has its own like yep. thing here in the bedroom where like pewter is also finesse and like burning pewter is like this kind of like finesse thing. Which could benefit, and uh, I mean, you could go for a while. Yeah, there's all kinds of reasons <laughs> for Peter to work. And now, like, if we think about the end of this book, you've got two Mistborns and Ellen and Vin, and you're just like, well, man, we we talked about this in one of the episodes a couple of weeks ago, but we were like, you know, it's it's a coward move in a fantasy series to not talk about your your magic system in the context of sex, especially when you've got two users and pairing, like. I get it. I get it, Sanderson. But this well, is how you could. Now we have two Mistborns together. So. 
This never came up in the fan fiction. <laughs> so what you're saying is we have a market. <laughs> yeah, I think you I think you have a really good idea here. And yeah, definitely. Let's I feel like all the three of us like let's write our individual fan fictions or smutty fan fictions. Uh-oh. And then yeah, we'll <laughs> see mean. what plays best. All right. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there's there's one more question if if you're okay with that. I know that we just hit the the Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Cool. So the well, right? And I know that you kind of know some of the answer here, but we have to at the very least talk about this. What predictions PJ do you have moving into the next book and, and what do you guys think about the I am free moment? I said this in our wrap-up episode, but it reminded or in our previous episode, but it reminded me of like in Aladdin 2 when Jafar is finally freed from the I said the like, exact same yes! thing. I was like, I'm this is you, this is Jafar from Return of Jafar. Yes. Entirely. I got the same vibe. I had that exact same response last night when we were talking about it. Oh, it's the same. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. We're, I think we're definitely from the same generation. <laughs> True. Because, <laughs> yeah, once uh, people in the read along I did also yeah. were like, yeah, he's like an evil genie. He's like Jafar. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's what I thought. Definitely. Yeah. But but PJ, where do you land? I mean, Julie what, knows too much. What do you mean by <laughs> where do I land? Like, what what do you think is what predictions do you have heading into the next book? Like, what, what do you think this thing is? God, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's there are so many things that I could pull from, but it, it all feels like it could be entirely separate, like the mists. Sure. And the Miss Spirit, and is the Miss Spirit that we're dealing with at the end of the book the only Miss Spirit, or were there others that were more nefarious and less helpful? How do they relate to this, whatever the fuck it is? How long has it been since this thing has been trapped? Has it been, has it ever been out? Like, but the. It sounded like it was going out on the town. Yeah, it's going to have a good time. (laughs) Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime girl. Totally. It was like, look, happy hour ends in five. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta go. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Did you guys, like, how did you feel about the ending? Both of you, were you, like, shocked? Did you see stuff coming? I'm just, I I got focused on the things that we haven't addressed yet. And I know we will like the map that's imprinted in metal down there and all of the canned food. And I started thinking about that bead of metal that she feeds to Ellen. And I'm assuming (laughs) that the, Hmm? I said, I called it the Mistborn multivitamin. That's a great That's name great. for it. Yeah. That's amazing. My assumption is that this calls back to what Sazed saw at the conventicle of Saren. The different metal, like I think he refers to it as spikes of a different metal. And it's just left at that. So I'm assuming it's the same metal, which is going to be a an alloy of atium that's used as the linchpin for the Steel Inquisitors. Interesting. And that's where all the A-team goes. 
Okay. But hmm. that's what I got reaction. thinking about was all the stuff that we didn't address in that like yeah. walk to the well. You're piecing it together like a puzzle. My thought was a little bit more. It's so fascinating that Brandon Sanderson has two different climaxes and ends to this novel. Like it could have ended at the end of the Battle of Luthadel. And instead it ends in this well moment. And the well feels more like a almost Marvel-esque teaser to the next book in its own way. Where it's like, okay, well here are all the things that you're going to want to like read for the next book. Like, are you ready? I don't know. I, I, I really enjoyed the end. And it teases kind of a larger a larger cosmological threat than we've we've seen really before and it also like it begins to tease out this idea that yeah the lord ruler was right <laughs> like i don't know that was that was kind of i think my first gut reaction to some degree when i read this was oh like shitty made bad choices but i think we should start a lord ruler apologist club I think we did the president. The show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I knew he wasn't that bad. Okay. <laughs> and he was hot. Rashik was great. He's old, but he's attractive. <laughs> he was yeah, that was something in the first, yeah, that was the first book with the read along. I was like, you guys, the fan art, he's hot. And people who had read the book were like, messy. And I was like, once I finally got to it, I was like, okay, well, he's really old, but like, he's still hot. But like, sometimes he's really hot. So like, that's okay. Most of the time, yeah. not even sometimes, right. most of the time he's really hot. Have you? Yeah. Once again, the vindication was coming in. I was like, yeah, he wasn't that bad. He only <laughs> subjugated an entire population and killed a lot of people, but he wasn't that bad. I'd argue that he didn't do that. He just kind of didn't care what, like, he was completely apathetic of everything that was happening around him. When you've been alive for that long, you're like, whatever. <laughs> you're kind of just like, whatever, dude. Yeah. You guys can go fuck whatever, and we're going to, we'll deal with it later. I don't, I don't need this right now. I'm hungover. I'm going home. The Inquisitors will deal with you. Yeah. That's kind of the, that, the vibe yeah. I have from the Lord Ruler. That meeting between him and Carr and Vin's dad. Yeah. Was like, it was just so much like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> figure, that's, just that's figure it out. Every media network. <laughs> like, what? This could have been an email. <laughs> what did you guys think? So, my on. favorite part of the ending, and by favorite part, I mean, I yeah. laughed out loud was whenever with like the whatever the mist race like thing is that comes out of the well and Ellen's like, hey, this is my friend. <laughs> and it immediately stabs him. <laughs> I cackled and then felt bad, but <laughs> well, it's like <laughs> Ellen, really? <laughs> All of the other Miss Spirit projections have not been malicious. They've been intentionally leading. And so it's just, it's this moment where he's like, oh yeah, I could go give it a hug. (laughs) (laughs) This is my best friend. (laughs) So I I, I met him over there at the bar, at the last bar that I was at, I met the Miss Spirit. He's super cool. Let's talk with him. (laughs) He gets stabbed. (laughs) Immediately he gets stabbed. (laughs) I haven't done this but i'd like to go back and reread the section where this same thing happens with lendy where it stabs his friend it stabs his friend yeah 
So I'd like to. It doesn't kill it's his friend. Very stabby. <laughs> it's a very stabby spirit. <laughs> it's a very. Sta- <laughs> That's why I'm curious. Like, is it the same spirit throughout the entire thing, mm. or is it like multiple different things? Here's I know you guys can't tell me anything. I get it. <laughs> here's here's a good <sighs> question to because neither of you have finished the series yet as it stands. I think that this is fun. Do you think that the mist spirit or whatever is manipulating the text from the Well of Ascension manipulated Elendi's logbook in the first book? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> could, could some of that be lies? You know, that's that's kind of the... It's a metatextual question now at this point is like how much of that could be untruth. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to explore that because Crossland knows this. I fucking love rules and logic and mechanics. He's a and this opened up so many new things for me to like really I, ponder. I feel like Brandon Sanderson is perfect for you. Then. Exactly. Yeah. I'm loving it. Everything has a reason and way that it works. And it's not, he never just uses the, Oh, magic. It's magic. Exactly. Yeah. So it's been very well suited for my tastes. Fantastic. All right. Did you guys have anything else that you wanted to hit on? Julie, did you have any other questions? Do you feel like we missed anything? Uh, I'm trying to think. Like I said, this was two weeks ago, but it feels like two years ago. (laughs) That's fair. Can you see how um, we can quickly become like a five hour recording? We've, we've done yes. it. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, and you know, this is like, it's a good series. So there's like a mm-hmm. million things to talk about with it. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any, I know there's a lot that we did skip over, but yeah, to me, like the ending of the book is really a huge strength. I feel like it has that kind of empire strikes back type totally. ending. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, you guys fucked up. (laughs) What do we do now? And I love that. I absolutely love when the heroes mess everything up. So, yeah. Well, that's my question, too, is did you guys like this better than the first book? Oh, for sure. I like it better than I like the third book. But I can I can say that because I've read the book and, you know, whatever else. But I, I I love the political intrigue the character growth that you see on so many characters instead of this one novel in the page count is astounding. You know, at this point I've also read stormlight. I had when I had originally read it, but it was definitely my favorite out the gate. And it's so funny because this is generally the least like liked book in the trilogy. This is the book that is the most divisive. And I find that dumb. And I'll say that to everyone who's listening to this because I think that your opinion is bad and you should feel bad. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But no, not I really. Just, I mean, but maybe. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I love this book. This is, again, I think it's executed flawlessly, almost. Almost. There, We've talked about the flaws, but. Flawless side hugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I, I like this book better than book one. Mm-hmm. And there are some complaints that I saw in our Discord specifically regarding, like, it being very repetitive at times mm. as far as like the, the rules of allomancy and stuff. And like, I just came out as a simp for rules. So maybe <laughs> I can't be the one to speak to this, but I didn't feel like it was that repetitive at all. I got, I felt like we got expansion on the mechanics and building on it, but I, I didn't feel like we really got straight up like 
let me explain this again from the beginning. But maybe that's a function of how we read this book and like how I go through this, that the fact that I read each section several times before moving forward means I'm like not sensitive to repetition. I don't know, but I loved it. I didn't, I didn't think it was too much repetition. I've also heard that complaint, but I think Brandon Sanderson does such a good job with like, like showing the mechanics of the magic and including it in the plot. So when he's going over like, well, Hey, this is how this works again. It's not, it's more showing than telling. So it really didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with it either. I don't think, I think in general compared to some writers, Brandon is a little bit more repetitive. And I think that's also born out of the time frame of release when this book was originally released and his adoration for Robert Jordan of which this is kind of that that flex novel between him starting to work on The Wheel of Time. And all three of these books, I should say, Mistborn, Final Empire, and Well of Ascension were written back to back to back. Hero of the Eight, Hero of Ages, excuse me, were written basically as like one giant novel. And then he kind of like broke them down after that. But yeah, I guess part of me thinks that it's a symptom of educating the audience and moving the genre forward as a whole to like making sure that people understand the magic and I can I can understand people feeling like it's dated now, but I don't think at the time it was an irrelevant decision. I think it was really important. And at the same time, I don't feel like it's overwhelming. I don't feel like it's a problem. I do feel like his writing has evolved a lot yeah. since he wrote this, which, you know, obviously it's it's been years since this came out. So naturally he will get better at writing. So, yeah, there's times where I'm like, yeah, you know. I could see him doing this way better now, but yeah, I don't, like I said, with the repetition, I mean, you have, like, I appreciate starting a second book and trying to re-explain some of the stuff because mm -hmm. once again, you know, like I'm reading them back to back, but people's when they were coming out, there was time in between. So you're always going to have that. Yeah. You, you want to be cognizant of that audience. And like three years later is when he came out with, um, the way of Kings and you can, you can like, you obviously can see that and experience that growth in writing that's like happened between now and then PJ will eventually understand, but it's just, it's fascinating to see this, this guy's trajectory over time. Yeah. And, and I also think for the, these things. for the people that complain about the female characters in Mistborn, which I totally see the complaints and I agree with a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, that's another thing I think he's gotten a lot better at with, Stormlight has better female characters. I also really think Skyward has much better female characters than Mistborn. Yeah. Yeah, Skyward has significantly better characters. Skyward is non-Cosmere PJ, so you don't have to stress that you're unaware of something. We cool. won't be probably PJ's reading like, wait, what? He's like, what? There's another series that I'm unaware of? What's going on? I really like Skyward. It's, yeah. I think it's underrated. I think it's fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's also because he knows where this is going in the long term. It's him practicing writing sci-fi, you know, like it's and that's great. I think that that's a smart move as opposed to jumping into the genre kind of blind. So, yeah. Yeah. I also know he had his beta. He had beta readers that were like teenage girls yeah. who helped him with developing like it is narrated by a teenage girl. So mm -hmm. I get the feeling with Mistborn that he didn't really do that. No, right. <laughs> Which right. To say, like, not that Vin is, like, this awful character, like, you know, you can tell she's written by a man. She's not that bad, but I 
There has been so much growth in his writing since then. She's not overtly feminine either. And I think that's partially because of like her trauma because she is so like dehumanized by her experiences to some degree that it's hard to, you know, it's interesting. It's almost like a cop out. Like he, he managed to create a situation in which he didn't need to write her that incredibly female because of the experiences that she had and how she reacted to them. So, yeah. Yeah, but he plays with that with all of her, like... For sure, yeah. She likes going to balls. Yeah, she likes dressing right. up. And mm-hmm. I, it's not that black and white, right. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> good, no, good, Which, you point. know, that's the point he's trying to make, too. I just feel like it's a little heavy-handed. Yeah, definitely. God, I love this book. There's so much more to talk about. <laughs> It was a great ending. I I really I liked it. Mm-hmm. I really liked the first one. I like this one a little bit more. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it's a drastic difference between the two. Sure. But I'm like you, Crossland. I love the political intrigue, which was something that a lot of people in my read along were like, "This is boring." And <laughs> they stopped talking about the siege and <laughs> blah blah. They you know they wanted the smut. I was like, "You're not going to get it." Like <laughs> side hugs. <laughs> until the end of time but yeah to me the ending is really what elevates this over the first book yeah (sighs) damn we didn't even talk about the fact that like straff is well we did just briefly talk about like strapping a piece of shit but like his deserved ending is another moment inside of the first ending before we get to the second one that's just like man i love the fact that he's just like brutally cleaved in half and like jaggedly (laughs) i i think Brandon described these swords in his annotations as kind of dull. And so as she's like cleaving through him, it's not like a clean, like even cut like movie. Like it's more like a dull knife <laughs> moving slowly through through a stake. Ah, man. I love that Straff is just such he's he's like an over the top villain. Mm-hmm. There's nothing good about him. No, I no, don't know how I don't know how Ellen is just a really nice normal person after being raised by that and that makes me want to meet his mom you know like i wish that we got to meet whoever his mom was because you can imagine but, that that's probably i also don't want to i don't want to because the amount of trauma that woman <laughs> must have <laughs> experienced oh my god you're right probably yeah. high <laughs> yeah being married to straff that abs like birthing all like intentionally ah. Uh, making mistings because he knows that he can do that with Scott, like, and then using them as like a private army, you know, it's, it's a genius. It's a genius writing thing for like Brandon to have written into the story, but it is so functionally upsetting. Like it, it dehumanizes Straff to a almost cartoonish degree. Like it is. Yeah. There's like I said, there's, I don't think there's anything redeeming about him where, yeah. I mean, you can look at someone like set who's not a good person, but it's so honest about it that you're like, I kind of like this guy. Like Mm -hmm. there, yeah. Like maybe there's good parts, but yeah, with Straff, I'm like, God, this guy is the absolute worst. I did love, you know, he's, (laughs) I did love that. He, he's like, Oh, Zane keeps poisoning me. And then he (laughs) finds out that his, you know, 28 year old saggy boob mistress <sighs> is really <laughs> the one poisoning him. That made me laugh out loud. I felt bad for her, but mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, I was like, this is something that probably could have been cut completely from this book. Did we need it? No. Was it entertaining? Yes. It felt very Game of Thrones. 
It did. It did. I think mm-hmm. that and that adds a little that adds that layer. PJ and I talked at length about the idea of like it would have been great justice for him to have actually died from that addictive drug because he's kind of like simultaneously addicted to to sex with these ska mistresses and whatnot. And so it would have been a great kind of comeuppance. But at the same time, it might have felt a little bit cheap. But I feel like George R. R. Martin would have had him die at the hands of the mistress. Yeah. I think yeah. so too. And yeah, he wants it. Yeah. I guess he's looking at how Brandon Sanderson writes versus George R. R. Martin. Yeah, that makes sense. But I definitely would have preferred if it was one of his mistresses that took him out. Yeah. Yeah. God. Amaranta rip. <laughs> kind of cool at the end. Yeah, she is. At first I was like, God, this, every time she showed up, I was like, this bitch, like, come on, <laughs> stop groveling. And then by the end, I was like, this bitch, she's this awesome. Bitch, <laughs> she yeah. yeah, she she totally had it. Oh, man. God. So close. She almost yeah. got him. Almost. And it's, it's, it's so, man, the extra layer of fucked on top of that cake is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome okay. to that random this is a this metaphors. is a new phrase that needs to become a thing. <laughs> <laughs> the extra layer of fucked on top of that cake is definitely <laughs> when we find out that like Zane is sleeping with her, right? Like Zane, she, like she is also, she has slept and bore children for Straff, but then is also sleeping with Zane later because Straff is a fuckhead. And oh my God. I was like, get it, get it. Yeah. <laughs> it became her Good biggest fan all of a sudden. Right. Sleeping with the mall, you know, like sleeping with that hot topic boy. That's good for you. You probably needed that. So <laughs> I was like, he's trash, too, but good for you. It's still, you know, it's a step in the right direction, I guess. In the worst. Kind yes, of God. Yeah. How bad is that when? Yeah. Oh. Emo, the hot topic employee is preferable to PJ is dying. <laughs> he just just quietly giggling to himself. <laughs> oh, so good. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. so now you've experienced why these episodes can just go on forever because there's just so much fucking shit to talk about. I have so many um, more things to say, and I'm. <laughs> don't I just don't, I, hey, I do a Midwest goodbye. Okay, it's we, like an hour. <laughs> we're both from Minnesota, so like, of course, we're we're in the same boat. As I say, boat in the most Minnesotan accent ever. Send help. Fuck. Okay. Hmm. PJ, was there anything else you needed to talk about? Yeah, no. <laughs> you need to get no, off just, your chest. Just more in-depth shit about Straff and his relationships. And <laughs> I like how Straff has taken up a huge chunk <laughs> of our conversation. <laughs> he's really not. I guess he's important for this book, but right. I mean, he dies in the end. Yeah, right. It's cut in half. There there was a fun question that was posed inside of the Discord. We were sourcing additional questions kind of at the end. Who do you think, PJ and Julie, the hero of ages will be in the next book? And, like, what does that mean? Like, what does – what could that mean? Julie, well, you can choose to not answer this question, of course. I, um, yeah, I, I feel like I know yeah. too much. Right, right, right. And yeah. I – yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Totally good. I think we've kind of proven – or it's been – maybe not proven, but posited that the entirety of the prophecy is bullshit anyway. So 
having a set hero of ages doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me anymore. So I think it's going to be more of a external path of righteousness for both Vin and Ellen to follow on their own together. So I think the two of them will will strive to be the hero of ages as a team. This is how I have to react to everything, Julie, for the record. Every time PJ says anything, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, just like, like and maintain... For the longest time, we didn't do video at all for this reason. So Crossing could just mute his microphone and like externally like react to however, (laughs) however I guessed things were going to (laughs) go. Yeah, I was, I had it. This is another thing I loved about this book in particular was that, you know, like so many fantasy books are all about this chosen one trope and then this book is like oh yeah your chosen one prophecy maybe it's not what you thought it was yeah yeah (laughs) i just thought that was once again like a really interesting turn for yeah you know i like once i read a lot of fantasy books so it was nice to see the heroes destroy everything in the end and possibly doom everybody (laughs) i loved it It felt to me uh, yes. like, you know, I said, like, that's an Empire Strikes Back ending. To me, it's like a Pierce Brown ending. It's like a Golden Sun, yeah. Dark Age. Like, <laughs> what are they going to do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah, going to go totally. cry. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it kind of ends with them side hugging, doesn't it? <laughs> Did I make that up? <laughs> On the ramparts, looking out, as like Ellen's like, I'm a Mistborn. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm Mistborn now. Side hug me. <laughs> yes, side hug me, baby. <laughs> side hug, yeah, I but with thinking, powers. Because like, yeah, I love that like really dark, like, oh shit, what do we do? But then it had like a fairly positive ending. Yeah, All right, right. So we're renaming sure the, the side hug. We're renaming the series. Uh, book one is Kelsey or his daddy. Book two is side hug, but with magic. Side the side hug of ascension. <laughs> side hug. There we go. No idea what the third will be, but I'm sure we'll figure something out. <laughs> oh man! <sighs> I just want to make custom dust jackets for those books now. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what we need. <laughs> we'll get nerdy. Okay, but yeah, it. book one, we're gonna yeah, nerdy ink. Be like, hey, can you please draw Kelsier just in the mist cloak and nothing else <laughs> for first book? We just need it. You you can you can blur out like the center like Brandon would probably want with like just the a, letters. It's the mist. Yeah. The mist the will mist. cover his dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I'm gonna send yeah, I'm going to send Nerdy Ink this really, like, rudimentary <laughs> illustration. This is what we're thinking. Alexis will love that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Say, what the hell? Then once we tell her, she's like, yes, yes, I see. I see your vision. Fantastic. All right. I can't imagine a better way to have curtailed this episode with this conversation about Daddy Kelsey and the well of side hugs or the side hug of Ascension, whichever way you want to think about it. Both Uh, of them work. I'm not sure which one I like better. 
You, you know what? Okay. How the well of side hugs it? feels like a hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> that is the Brandon Sanderson hot tub experience. <laughs> only side hugs. Nothing else. Only side hugs. Oh my God. I am dying. <laughs> this was literally so much fun and I could not have asked for, for a better, a better time. This was, this was fantastic. Was I feel like we didn't talk about Tindwell enough, but whatever, that's fine. She, uh, she's, she's here and gone. She's um, great. She's, she's great. She died. Sazed sad. <laughs> Man, she, her and Sazed didn't even side hug. Well, they could only. Their hands touched. <laughs> The hand hug, the hand hug. Yeah, there's, there's, there is that hand hug while they're like doing their robot mode of peeling through the copper mines. God, what a weird. <laughs> how do you even send this off properly? Like, how do you, how does one transition out of this absolute lovely madness? I don't know. Yeah. I just thank you so much for having me on. This has made my night. Yes, I'm about to go day. to a friend's birthday party, right. and these people who have not even read the book and be like, "We were talking about Kelsier's daddy." <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be like, "What? What the fuck is that?" You got. You got to read these books. There's no sex, only side hugs. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Where can people find you? I'm on Instagram. I'm at the Foxy Reader. I'm also on Goodreads and the Storygraph. I post reviews there. I have a TikTok. I don't do much with it, but feel free to send me uh, Johnny Depp <laughs> TikTok because <laughs> I'm really into that trial. <laughs> No, just once again, thanks you so much for having me on. This was so much fun. And yeah, I will let you guys know what I think once I get to the end <laughs> of the next book. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much. So next week we are going to be reading chapters prologue through chapter five. So it's about 67-ish pages, but that's going to be next week. So prologue through chapter five. So that's where we'll leave you for this week. Thank you, as always, to Tim and Andrew. But also thank you to Julie. That was such a fun time. As she mentioned, you can find her at at the Foxy Reader, I think, on Instagram and uh, TikTok and Twitter. I can't remember. Good reads. Good reads. Yep. Yeah, that was that was a blast. That was so much fun. But you can check us. You can check us out on social media. On ah, blah blah blah, blah. retaking that after Foxy Reader. Also, you can check out the links in our show notes. You can find our schedule, Patreon, previous episodes, website, social media accounts, all in one convenient location. As far as our social media stuff goes, we are at Words Whiskey Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. Our email address is words and, words and whiskey show at gmail.com. And if you'd like to get in on this Patreon goodness, patreon.com slash words and whiskey. Leave me nothing to talk about except for the reviews. You're just like eating up my little bits. So definitely leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference in terms of the algorithm. If you haven't already subscribed, I think I talked about this last week, but again, um, we do have a fix coming in. For the short pour feed, for whatever reason, it wasn't popping up on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Google Podcasts. We've since fixed that. Thank you, Miles Bensky, for pointing that out to us. I thought that I had submitted everything correctly. It turns out that it had bounced for some reason. So, because Apple didn't like our website configuration, so we fixed it. Needless to say, 
check it out there. Watch out for those short pours. We've got a number of things there, including that previous Howler Pot announcement and a couple of new fun things coming up this next month. So keep a lookout for one of those episodes next week on the Short Pour channel. We are going to be talking about our new show on the Atomic Pylon Network, Catacomb Party Tales of Kana, with the wonderful Mathar, Josh, and Leslie, in addition to ourselves, introducing our characters and kind of giving you a brief overview of what to expect in that world. So much fun. Such a fun project. Really, really yeah. excited for everybody, everybody to actually get to experience what we've been putting together for over half a year now. Almost, yeah, actually, no, no joke. You, you know, there's always like, there's always like the the things are going on behind the scenes kind of thing you know that that i think a lot of creators kind of get into and get stuck in and we had a number of shows kind of fall behind like our our primary shows for for patrons a little bit and part of that reason is because of the amount of effort that we put into producing this show and working on it obviously it, it made changes but we we truly love and adore this project and i i think you will too it's definitely taken the priority as far as launching show goes, shows go before doing speculative knowledge and PJ symposium of which we hope to ha- have out in June at this point. So that's kind of, mm-hmm. that's kind of our angle. So yeah, that's the goal. Other point of business. Crossland, was this our hundredth episode? Fuck. We didn't talk about that <laughs> this entire time, but this is our 100th episode. We thank Julie, of course, for being a part of that with us including the short poor episodes that gets us to this hundred total it is it has been so fantastic over the last we've technically been doing this for two years we've been releasing the show for a year and seven months or something like that to to have hit this point and i don't know i'm floored i'm mm-hmm. floored by the reaction to us and and the show <laughs> and kind of the the whole fucking deal pj do you have some words I I mean I'm I'm humbled by it. Everything is this is very counter to what I like consider myself to be. Like I I don't think of myself as somebody who puts himself out there to the public and the fact that I've done that and have gotten a positive primarily positive like response to it has been really really gratifying so i i just want to thank everybody that has put up with our nonsense for for the last almost two years yeah all of all of the growing pains all of kind of everything with the show pj said it best i humbled kind of daily you know i don't know just it's hard to react even to the idea that we're we're like at 100 episodes we are at almost 50,000 spins on episodes like full playthroughs like not even just starts sorry 50,000 just between Spotify and Apple but it's it's just mind-blowing for you know the pair of us nerds to be talking about books on the internet and to kind of have this overwhelming reaction yeah thank you so much for last year and a half of joy and we will at the very least we're committed to another two years <laughs> to finish shit and that's not to say that we will go on longer or anything but here's to 100 more absolutely i'm cheers. committed to it let's do it absolutely cheers cheers, cheers.